Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Philosophy of Fitness podcast. My name is Haley. I'm going to be your host today, and every single day that you are tuning in today, I am joined with Caddy Lee. She is an integrated holistic coach, right? Holistic health coach? Yeah. Yeah, so we are going to get into a lot of fun stuff today. She offers a really unique perspective. Just scrolling through your Instagram, I can tell we're aligned on so many different things, and there's so many talking points that we could potentially get into, so I'm really excited to dive into everything, so welcome. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, I'm so excited to chat with you and sort of like learn about your journey and your experience. And it's so beautiful seeing someone kind of like take their power back and really heal themselves from within, which I absolutely love. So before we get too far ahead of ourselves, um, I want to give you a chance to sort of explain your backstory. I know you had some experience with bodybuilding or competitive bodybuilding. So if you want to kind of break down like what led you to this holistic path. Mm, I love that because I feel like my pain in my life has led me to like my purpose. And I, I'm sure you've heard that before. Pain leads to your purpose. So um, I kind of was this college athlete, right? And I'd been an athlete my whole life and I graduated and it's like, well, what do I do now? Like I'm in this adult world. How do I still be an athlete in this? So I really had this huge identity tied to my body and being athletic. So along comes bodybuilding and it's something that I always wanted to do and I felt like that was my next outlet to really show my athleticism, to prove to everyone I'm still an athlete, right? So if any athletes are listening, they're like, oh yeah, I definitely feel that too when I you know, was done with my sport, what do I do next to continue to be in that? So that's kind of where I got into bodybuilding and I was a bikini bodybuilder and if you guys have seen people that do that, you see how like shredded and lean those people are and I just idolized that and so that is what I wanted to be the, you know, I guess epitome of health was to be that, which come to find out that's not actually the epitome of health is to be super shredded lean where you don't have your menstrual cycle and that's kind of where my hormone imbalances came from was doing that for five years and I never stopped. It was like one show after the next and I got fixated on it and I was so afraid to even ever gain weight, which if you're involved in that, you know you have to like reverse diet, you have to gain weight, you gotta get yourself back to kind of that homeostasis and I never did. I was like, no, let's keep going, let's keep going. (laughs) And eventually you reach that plateau where it's like my body after five years was like, no, like you're, you're not doing this anymore. And it was almost that like, sign of wow like this is what it feels like to have your body work against you and so I created this mindset of me and my body are at war and that's not a great place to begin to heal when you see your body is not something a part of you something that's attacking you so yeah pretty deep there but I kind of had to do a lot of healing journey myself when now I'm struggling with my body. I have these like lab work that I got done, that things were off, things were slow. Um, I was stressed out all the time. And then I didn't really even understand it was stress and I just kept creating more stress. So I saw my body was against me and I'm like, well, we need to work out more. We need to restrict calories. And those are two different ways that continue to add stress to your body, especially if you're already stressed and burn out. And so I kind of got myself into this hole where I went to Western medicine and I was like, Hey, like I've been tracking my lab work. Here's what's going on. And they were like, Oh, you're fine. You're healthy. And I'm like, Oh, I feel healthy. I'm peeing out my butt. Like I can't keep anything (laughs) in solid shit. So yeah, there's some things off here and I had the lab work to prove it. And they were just like gaslighting me They're You're fine. You're fine. Like you're healthy. 
And that is so defeating when you feel in your body that something is off and you go to our trusted doctors and they just gaslight you. So like, what do you, what do you do in that sense? So I knew I had to take a different direction of like, I need somebody to hear me out. I need somebody to walk this journey with me, not gaslight me or try to put me on some sort of medication. Like let, let me heal and let my body heal naturally. And so I went to functional medicine and that was a great place to start. But as I've kind of went through this journey myself, I realized how much functional medicine is still just giving you a lot of tests like stool tests and, you know, Dutch tests and all this stuff, which are great and very um, validating for what you're kind of experiencing and to get information from. But it was so expensive and then you have to pay to work with them. And then they are just giving you a buttloads of supplements. And it's like, okay, yeah, I'm taking the more holistic route, but this is still just flushing me with a bunch of stuff and I'm spending so much money, which also creates stress. So it's like, yeah. how do I help myself heal my body, but not also be spending all this money and investments into my health for testing that you don't really need. Like a lot of times you don't need all that as your first place to start with. Why was nobody just walking me through, Hey, like let's heal your relationship with food and let's get some good nourishment. And Hey, I know you're a high functioning athlete and you're obsessed with workouts. Why don't we like really peel that back just a little bit, just easing with you. And if you understand nervous system, that was kind of all the stuff I needed, but nobody was going to walk that walk with me. So I had to do it myself. So I eventually got a certification with Sam Miller. I don't know if anybody has yeah. heard of him, but yeah, I love him. And so he mm -hmm. had this um, certification, functional nutrition, metabolic science. And essentially that's kind of how I learned to learn about hormones, how to help my hormones out, get back to that homeostasis and that balance. And then that work kind of pushed me into the holistic healing route of, okay, now that I understand nervous system and I understand how exercise and nutrition play a part in this, how can we still utilize this education and also not try to flush supplements directly right at my clients for their issues? Like, how do we get to the root of these things? And that's kind of where I'm at now is looking more to that root causes and the outside influences of that. Wow. There's so much I want to break down with your journey. And there's so many different ways that we can take this. I think the first one being, I think it's such a common experience for people that have been athletes in college, like you said, that all of a sudden you're out of school and you don't have that sense of purpose anymore. So you have to kind of reinvent the wheel and you think that you need to keep doing the same things in order to be successful or to be worthy or to be valid, right, as a human being. I think that's a, a very common experience for a lot of us. And something else you touched on too is losing your period. I've spoken to tons of women who have lost their periods from overtraining, under eating, and it's astounding that that's so normalized. And we can kind of get into if, if you're open to it, if you think, I kind of think the bodybuilding culture is pretty toxic. I think it really causes disordered eating for a lot of people, like men and women included. So what was your experience with that like? Yeah, well, let's get back to the first thing you talked about of just that identity with being an athlete. Um, at some point, I had to question myself, what, what about this identity, right? Like, if I'm still an athlete and I believe in my body that I'm still athletic, what does it mean what that matters to anybody else. Why do I care? Why do I feel like I have to keep this identity? And I think that was kind of what I had to dive deep in is like, well, you don't need validation from anybody, right? Like, even as I was a, a health coach, I was kind of like, oh, I still need to be this. I still need yeah. to be that. And it's like, I, I don't, why do I care anymore of what I am perceived like by anybody? They're gonna build their own ideas anyways, and there's nothing I can do to change that. 
how I live my life and how I feel about my myself and my health is what matters most. And I think that's a really hard place to get to when that's been your whole entire life is your success from athletics. And I really struggled post-college and post-athletics with how do I get that loving feeling from my family? How do I get that loving feeling from people that know me, like, you know, followers or whatever? And that's kind of what I was looking for in a sad way. It's how do I still get that, like, proudness from other people? Yeah, it's like validation, you know? Why can I not just create that myself? Or why do I have to feel like I have to be successful to be worthy? And that's that's deep. So, Yeah. yeah, that was kind of things I had to get into eventually when I felt this identity crisis. It's like, well, my body now doesn't look like an athlete anymore. And it's like that rude awakening of like, why, why am I bothered by this? So yeah, we can go from there. And then I agree. Bodybuilding, I think is pretty toxic too. And once you're in it though, it's almost like you have these blinders on you, you start to act and you start to think like everybody else. And you think that nothing is wrong with how you're doing things until you step out of that and you remove yourself from bodybuilding and you see just how body obsessed people are. And I thought I had a good grasp on like my body acceptance, but once you take yourself to this extreme where you're literally restricting food to a pretty large degree, you're showing up multiple times a day to do workouts. All you can think about is the way that you look. And that I think in itself is what creates a toxicity is just, being so obsessed with how you look and looking for different ways to manipulate that to be judged by somebody on a panel like what I could never see myself going back to it now yeah I think it's it's a big thing too in terms of like you said it's so appearance focused and I think for a lot of young people out there if they're impressionable they they place that value on appearance above everything else meaning that they'll get to that extreme if it's healthy if it's not healthy and I think that's a big issue with it. And I I have several friends of mine who have done bodybuilding. They've been successful and I have a lot of respect for it. Like it takes a lot of really hard work and discipline to do that. But, uh, going back to the period thing, I have a couple friends that lost their periods during the, you know, cutting stage and had disordered relationships with food. Even after the competition was over, they found it really hard to go back to just like a natural approach to eating. And I think that sort of heavy emphasis on appearance can create a toxic mindset around food and viewing food as something enjoyable beyond just a fuel source. Cause I think in that culture and you can, you know, agree with this or not, food is kind of viewed as like the fuel, right? It's not necessarily something that you want to enjoy all the time. It's to get you into shape for your competition. And so, yeah, no. And the period part is I was on birth control. So in a way I didn't know whether I was missing my period or not. And it wasn't until I removed birth control and I tried to get my period back and it took quite a while, which I think that depends on most people anyways, whether it comes back soon or not. But I would see other women talk about, well, I still have my period while I'm doing this, so it's fine. But now, like once you actually learn about your menstrual cycle is you can still have a bleed and it doesn't mean that you are actually having regular menstrual cycles the whole time, right? Like, are you even actually ovulating? And I doubt that you are. And so, you know, Think about it for how many years I was suppressing my menstrual cycle with birth control. And then I spent how many years being depleted as fuck. Like that's why it took so long to get shit back and then to actually regulate it back. So woo, I got my period back after five months, but I went right back into a deficit. And then it took me a year 
to get it back and then to start to balance my hormones took another two years. So oh my gosh. you think that the things that you're doing when you, when you literally leave your body for bodybuilding or let's just say dieting or anything, when you bypass your body, like you said, you're like, there's a lot of discipline there. Yeah, because they are going against the wisdom of their body. Me, myself, yes. I'm speaking about myself. Going mm -hmm. against my wisdom. So yeah, it's discipline. But if we talk about masculine and feminine, of course, I'm going to have to kind of push my feminine aside. Creativity and having abundance to create life and all of that, that doesn't matter. We're goal chasing. We're trying yeah. to be the best. So masculine. So of course, we're going to lose our feminine. And yeah, you'll still, maybe you still bleed, but that doesn't mean you still have your feminine and the abundance of your feminine physiology. I'm so glad you brought that up about masculine and feminine because that's exactly where I was going to go next. Because as you were telling me all this, I was thinking in my head, that sounds like someone that's way in their masculine, like completely in it to the point that the feminine is neglected. And I'm a firm believer in masculine and feminine energies and both genders, everybody on earth, we have a combination of masculine and feminine. And for some of us, we're more thriving when we're a little bit lean towards the feminine and then some of us are more towards the masculine. So that whole journey to me, it sounds like, it sounds like you've healed, first and foremost, it sounds like you've healed your, your feminine energy. And I love that because I think a lot of diet culture, workout culture, bodybuilding is predominantly focusing on you being in your masculine, right? Showing up, having discipline, like you said. And it doesn't give you time to lean back and even into what you said with listening to your body. It doesn't give you a chance to listen to the innate wisdom that we have by just sitting with ourselves. And ask yourself, how do you feel? You know, not how do you look? Are your abs shredded? Is this looking lean? Like, how do you feel as a person? Are you depleted? Are you feeling exhausted? Are you pushing through pain? Like, do you not have your period? If any of those things, it's like your body is screaming, trying to tell you this is not working out. Yes, absolutely. And I love talking about masculine and feminine because when you just see what the type of lifestyle is, it is so masculine. It's goal chasing. Like I got to, and that's all masculine. Masculine just want to achieve and achieve and achieve and do, 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 and they can go nonstop. And if we look at men and their healthy masculine, they can get away with that without really sacrificing their health because they are built for survival. They are trying to allow our, let's just say tribe, to expand and they're willing to sacrifice their bodies for that which is why they can kind of get away with that intermittent fasting and dieting a lot better than women can and that is just thinking of that and knowing those energies it's like well no duh like no duh yeah. that happened to me and i wouldn't say i've totally healed my feminine i think there's other avenues to look back to in my childhood of a feminine or a mother wound and so mm. I've really been trying to honor more of my feminine. So yes, now I got the hormones that are balanced with my feminine and I have great ovulation and all that's super well for me, but there's still emotional components that it's like, mm, why am I afraid to dance? Like Ooh. dancing is so feminine. It is embodiment. It is sensuality. It is being in your body. And I have a fear of dancing as it is promiscuous that it's kind of wow. dirty. Yeah. And yeah. so as I've been kind of seeing myself, like when I watch other women do it, like say on social mm -hmm. media, like, damn, like low key, a part of me is like, mm, damn, I want to own my body like that. Like I just want to own myself. And then the other part is like, Ooh, they're promiscuous. Like you, do they know <laughs> yeah. who they're attracting? And that's so funny that I see that is because, you know, when you realize that people are mirrors, you're like, well, that's something that I don't 
have and that my body is wanting me or like my myself my entire being is wanting me to step into so I've had to start dipping my toes and actually energetically tapping into my feminine and like allowing myself to dance and even if it is provocative it doesn't mean I am attracting or that I'm wanting it's not my problem how other people perceive that it's totally owning who I am it's not even trying to like entirely look good but like who cares anyways? Like if I am trying to turn myself on, why not? Like we <laughs> yeah. need to outsource that. Like we could be turned on, not just, you know, like sexually, but we could be turned on for life and turned on with our feminine by just embracing it and not feeling like it's dirty. And just knowing that that is my first thought about seeing women dance is like, I have a still, I still have a feminine wound where I feel it's wrong to just exist in our bodies. Yeah. That is such a powerful, like, self-awareness too I think to see that and to recognize that that's something within you that wants to come out and that's where I feel like shadow work plays a big part right it's like facing the parts of yourself that you don't really want to and for me something that I've I've more recently spoken about on here is that I used to suffer anxious attachment like pretty bad Mm. to the point where I would be you know checking my phone all the time canceling my plans for the sake of you know who I was dating at the time and really sitting with myself and I'm like, well, why am I, why am I putting this person on a pedestal above me so much? Why am I seeking so much validation? And that's what shadow work is, right? It's like sitting with the uncomfortable parts of yourself. And it's funny because I also have a similar thing with dancing, which is really strange. Like I'll sing, I'll do anything else. But like when it comes to dancing, I just feel awkward. I feel like I don't know what to do. So maybe that's a sign that I need to do a little bit more healing too because when I see people on Instagram dancing I'm like I wish I could do that like so that's really interesting yeah and that's like you know I think about um, somatic practices have you heard of like shaking like shaking your body to move energy around after something like say triggers you or you know you maybe have an email that just like rubs you wrong or you know and business wise like something happens that you're just like And I'll do somatic shaking. And what I learned from that is that it's not to like worry about what you look like. That's not the point of it. The point is to move your body and how it's calling you to move and just being free. And when I think of that with dancing, I'm like, well, why do I try to hold myself into, oh, well, this is how you dance. You move this way or you got to move your hips this way. It is just, that's not what dancing is. It's just fully being in your energy and in your body and who cares what it looks like because it's not about what other people are looking at. This is you. This is your moment. This is your your body. And however your body's asking you to move, don't judge it. Like there's no judgment here. So yeah, yeah, that's definitely something that I've been, you know, really I do a lot of like self awareness. So I feel like I'm very yeah. self aware and gets me to start asking questions like, well, why is that bothering me? And yeah. I think you can just asking yourself and going down this like, I guess, chart of, okay, well, if this bothers me, it must be from blah, 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 blah. And why does that bother me? And you can kind of get to what that truly is for you when you just keep asking yourself these questions. Yeah. I think another way to think of it is like also what's cringe to you? Because you know how some people say, oh, PDA is cringe or that's so cringe. And it's like, well, do you have a fear of intimacy? Is it maybe like connected to that? Like, I feel like anything that triggers you is an opportunity for a learning experience. Oh, absolutely. And diving deeper into yourself. And like you said, shadow work. Why is that something that bothers me? And I feel like we can always go back to freaking childhood with anything. Yeah. Some moment in your life made you believe something. And I kind of wonder too, I've kind of been asking myself, I was, I I don't say I was a big athlete. I still am, but it's like, what led me into athleticism? And I just had a thought the other day that in kindergarten, I remember getting your grade card back. 
and I had like satisfactory in some things and there was like unsatisfactory on like maybe reading comprehension. And I, why do I remember that? That's something important, right? There's something yeah. that I held on to as a child that, okay, I was unsatisfactory. I was dumb. And so then I just took on this persona that I'm dumb. I'm not smart. And I had two older sisters that were smart. And did I go into athleticism and athletics and become this athlete because, well, I'm dumb, but I can be an athlete. And then I got praise and, you know, awards and stuff from being an athlete. And I found that as the way to be accepted. So then I kind of see in my adult life ways that I tried to prove that I was smart. And I am yeah. still catching myself constantly chasing certifications. I'm constantly in conversations to prove that I'm right, to be mm. the smart one. And I'm like, damn, that goes back to childhood and it's showing up here. Like, wow. it's okay to be wrong. Yeah. yeah. Well, I can tell you that's more self-aware than 90% of people who are trying to be right all the time. Most people don't even think that they don't ever make that connection, right? That it goes back to childhood, but it is, I honestly do. And I've talked to therapists on here. I've talked to plenty of people and so much of it goes back to childhood. Um, attachment styles, like I spoke about earlier, goes back to childhood. That need of validation of proving yourself, of being so concerned with how people perceive you goes back to childhood. And it's funny because like I was bullied in school as a kid and there's certain things that kids had said to me in like fifth grade that I still think about to this day. And so I wonder in the back of my mind if, if part of what I do is to, you know, overcome that. And uh, I don't know, it's really interesting. And I think for most people out there, whatever, you know, you're dealing with, if you feel like there's a blockage in your life, if you take time to A, sit with your shadow and B, explore childhood, you will mm -hmm. be astounded at how much goes back to that. And it makes sense because those are your formative years. That's when you're creating your identity. That's when you're creating your sense of the world, your understanding of what this world is about, even, you know, to kind of go off of that, if you have limiting beliefs about something, if like you, if you have a limiting belief of like, I'm the dumb one in the family, or I'm not intelligent, if your parents had a hard time making money growing up, you could carry that into your adult life because you were, all you ever knew was a lack mindset around money. So I don't know, it's just really interesting to, to dive into that inner child work. I think it's huge. Yeah, and then I started learning about nervous system a lot too, as you know, you, you probably know, or if you haven't, like you cannot ask your body to heal. You can't have your hormones balance if you aren't, I say mitigating stress, but making your body more stress resilient. So working on nervous system stuff, nervous system regulation. And through that journey, I think that's where a lot of this came from. It's like, number one, how do I get my, how do I get my body to know that we're safe, that we don't need to be in fight or flight, that we don't need to be in survival mode. And I think that stuff is super powerful. But when I was diving into this, I was learning about the subconscious mind and how that represents 90% of how we exist, how we behave, how we show up in the world is our subconscious mind. And where, when's that you know, formed? By the time we're six years old, six to seven years old. So all those moments from, you know, from being in the womb, even we're seeing trauma being inherited. So sometimes yeah. this stuff can happen and be kind of planted on you before you're even born just because of your mother and what your mother was going through and learning all this stuff. And it's like, wow, there really is so much to learn about yourself because it's not even always in our conscious mind. This is subconscious. So like you said, sitting with yourself and exploring shadows, like, yes. And like meditating. And if you're not even into meditating, I don't want you to think it's religious, but even just sitting still, like how many women even give themselves a chance to slow down, sit and just breathe or let their body or let their mind think and they're afraid to think they're like oh, my mind's crazy my thoughts are crazy 
Why are you judging them? Just let things come through and or go on a walk, be out in nature. Like all that stuff is super good for your nervous system and being able to tap into that subconscious mind to work through some of those limiting beliefs. But it, yeah, it does take work, but it, it's just so transformational what you can kind of come through from there. Yeah. And going off what you said about, you know, things happening before you're even born or when you're in the womb, depending on your mother's trauma, generational trauma is a thing too. If you've had generations of people before you that have had, you know, um, something in my family, for example, was like sweeping things under the rug, you know, keeping up appearances. Mm -hmm. If something's wrong, oh, we don't tell, we don't talk about our problems. And that was something that I'm like, I'm healing that for, for our generation, for the next generation, because I'm like, if there's problems, we're not going to just sweep them under the rug because when you suppress, you become depressed, right? So it's like all that stuff is going to be bubbling under the surface. And, and I think it's really interesting, even if you look back, you know, it's, it's a lot of work, obviously, but if you want to really heal, you know, to build off of that shadow work, if you look back at previous generations too and see what their experience was, there's, there's healing that can be done there too. Yeah, absolutely. Or families that dealt with genocide and slavery, it's like, your body remembers your cells. I'll say your cells because that might make you feel different about it. Your cells remember everything that happened to you. And we can't store this in our conscious mind, so it has to go somewhere. And it's usually stored in your tissues. It goes into your fascia. It goes into places that, okay, you're not going to process this now. Okay, cool. Let's put this over here. And it's still held within your body. So we are seeing this being passed down. And that's how people are more primed for autoimmunity, especially if they don't ever dive into this. It's like, well, you were kind of set up for this. So if you want to break the cycle, like, you do have to do the work. And that's, I guess, why I'm so passionate about what I do as a woman's health coach, because we are in a moment in time right now where there's a lot of awakening happening. And I think a lot of people being like, wow, I really see how this is impacting my life. And I see where society is moving and I don't really want to be a part of that. So I want to break this cycle here because I know my trauma, my patterns, my behaviors, my nervous system health is going to be passed down to my children. So how can I alone start to work on all of my health, not just my physical health, my spiritual, my mental and emotional health so that I can actually create children that are something of being regulated. You know, a lot of moms complain about their kids being like absolutely crazy and bouncing off the walls, which is normal. But at the same time, if you don't have a capacity to be that source of safety for them and be regulated, we can't ask our children to be regulated, right? So they say anxiety is also passed on from mothers who are really anxious when their child is in the womb, or maybe they're really worried about their body and their body changing, which I think all women kind of deal with to some extent. But if you let that be the story of your pregnancy, guess what your girl's, your little girl's gonna be dealing with? She's gonna be dealing with body issues because that was the message she was receiving in the womb about how the world is gonna be. So this wow. stuff is just crazy. And I think we could all look back to maybe things our mom said about her, her body or we saw her dieting or what she said about what food is good for us and whatnot. And we believe that to be the truth because that's our parents. They're the ones that know the truth when we're born. They know everything. They're teaching us all this. Mm -hmm. So if you can work on yourself, you can create offspring and lineage that doesn't have to do all the deep work you're doing right now. You are literally helping so many people, not just yourself. And I hate hearing people talk about investing in their health is selfish. It's like, bro. Yeah. That's so <laughs> backwards. You know, do you know all that you can impact by just changing yourself? Like, look at all the people you're impacting right now by just sharing your message, sharing your story. Millions. Like, 
I don't want to say millions, but yeah, eventually <laughs> hit millions, right? So yeah, like it's it's not just about you. It's also, you know, what you're passing on. And do you want that to be your story? Like, what do you want for your children? If you really care about their health and you want to invest in the best for them, that starts with you. That's such a good mindset. And not to sound like a Pinterest quote, but it's like people say you can't pour from an empty cup, right? I think taking care of yourself and being healthy is the most unselfish thing you could possibly do. It's the most selfish thing you could possibly do to not take care of your health, right? To not leave behind something as an example, or even if you don't you know, want children, to not set a positive example for other people or the people that you care about in your life. I think being healthy and if you're passionate about any of this kind of stuff, like what you're doing too, like that's the least selfish thing you could possibly do. It would be selfish to, to not share your gifts with the world and to keep that to yourself. So health is wealth. I've always said that. And, you know, I don't, I don't see how somebody could possibly say that that's selfish. I think that's so crazy. <laughs> oh, but when you work with moms who feel like, again, this, this goes back to people pleasers too, mm. is they are afraid to honestly do something for themselves and they feel like they always have to put everybody before them. And so if I get on call uh. to them, they're like, I know I really need to do this, but, you know, and the X, Y, and Z excuses will come out. And it's like, mm, I see this. Like, I see what this actually is. Um, you think it's selfish because you have these kids, but like, oh my God, we learned everything from our parents. Like, we went on vacations all the time as my family. We were always active. So I, by nature, I feel like I'm a very grounded person because I grew up with that. Like, my parents mm -hmm. set the stage for that. So you 100% are going to be impacting your children, even if you've already had them. Like they're still yes. looking to you. They'll look at you as the truth and you have the ability to, to change that. So yeah, it is the very least selfish thing, but I feel like a lot of moms who are really highly stressed and are people pleasers and they just keep passing that down, what, you're gonna pass that same thing down. Like I don't wanna be the one to you know, speak the hard truth, but that is a truth you have to come to is, you know, this is, all, this is on you. Yeah, that's that's really powerful about the the people pleasing perspective because if you think about it if your mother as as a role model is never taking care of herself, right? Running herself to absolute burnout, always putting someone else's needs above her own, when that child grows up, they're going to think that that's how they ought to be because that was the example that they had. So that could manifest in relationships where they let a partner walk all over them, it could manifest in careers, uh everything. And it again, always goes back to childhood. So I think a lot of people out there, especially if women are listening to this, you know, recognize that it's okay to put yourself first sometimes. I'm not saying you have to sit here and say, I'm the center of my universe, nobody else matters, but take care of yourself. Because if you don't take yeah. care of yourself, it's, it's gonna catch up to you, A, and B, it's gonna be passed down in some way that's gonna manifest poorly for whoever's looking up to you as a role model. I think too, I've heard from a lot of people pleasers is they know this about themselves. And I feel like you, you have to really work with someone or really allow yourself to go deep and be like, why do I, I guess, betray myself for other people? Because that's ultimately what's happening is they're putting their self as not as important and other people's needs are important. And that whole pour from an empty cup thing, how can you? How can you have good optimal health when you are constantly depleting your body for everyone else. It's like everyone else, take a piece of me. Yeah. <laughs> like how, how can you, how can you take care of yourself? And I think when I, when I talk to women that really are aware of this, they see how they're in burnout. They see how this is showing up in their health and that they have to take that information themselves. I don't want to be the person like you need to dive into this. I think 
health coaching is presenting things and if it resonates, guiding your client or whoever you're working with to come to their own solution, to come to their own idea of what they want to address. Like a lot of things I talk about in my health coaching, it's like, I don't know if people are at this point in their healing journey, but I'm gonna talk about it. And if they want to like dive deeper into this, take off and go on your own. Cause isn't that like, you know, it's nobody telling you you need to do this. It's you yeah. being like, oh, this resonates. And if it resonates with you, this is something meant for you. Like, that's something that I never realized before. But if, like, you feel something about it, you're like, oh, that hit for me. Go. Go run with it because your body was, like, saying yes, essentially. So, yeah, yeah I just, I don't know, tangent here. But, you know, yeah. really being able to listen to your truth and being um, able to sit with yourself and hear your body, like, how things feel in your body, that's, that's your truth and... I don't know. I think it's just really beautiful to get women back into their bodies. Yeah. Going off that, I'm just listening to you talk about like if something resonates with you and you say, oh, I think I want to explore that on my own. I love that approach first and foremost of like, Mm -hmm. here's the information. I'm not going to force you to do anything. Do with it what you want. Um, I think I may have seen you talk about this recently, but this is something that's fascinated me. And I don't know if anyone listening is familiar with like muscle testing. It's kind of like a chiropractic process. Um, I have a family friend who's done this on me and it was crazy accurate. Uh, so can you shine some light on your experience with muscle testing with that? Yes. So interestingly, my background before I got into health coaching was physical therapy and we did muscle testing in a way to see if a muscle was strong or weak. And when we knew from that testing, whether it was weak or strong, we knew what to address, right? Hamstrings, you know, triggered off as being weak. Well, okay. We're gonna address hamstrings. So it's funny you mentioned this because I, this is exactly what I did with that topic of self-muscle testing for my clients. So I was like, hey, I'm just gonna show you all this and I'm gonna teach you how to do it. And if this resonates with you, take off, go wild, go get the books, go learn it yourself. Because again, I don't wanna push this on people and be like, well, this is the way. If it doesn't resonate, I can't push this on anybody. So. Anyways, self-muscle testing just blew my mind when I read about it um, most recently, and I got super interested in it. So, of course, what do I do? I'm going to dive into this. So, essentially, what you are doing is you are testing your nervous system, which is what house your subconscious, right? That's also that inner wisdom, our inner truth is our body always knows best, and you have to be able to listen to that. So, this is kind of a way to build your intuition. This is a way to build that communication and trust with your body of, like, what is right for me? What is of my highest good? what is not and if you think about it if we're testing a muscle which usually you do your thumb here your thumb and your pinky finger of your dominant hand you are testing the nervous system right your muscle cannot be strong without a strong connection to your nervous system and if a test is weak then we have blockages or we have a i guess in the texture of self in the text of self muscle testing it is a disconnect or it is a stress to your body which is why it'll present weak but if things are strong and it's not a stress to your body it'll present as strong so it really testing the muscle is essentially testing the nervous system connected to it so i don't know if you want me to talk how you do it i was gonna say can you give an example because i know you said something with the pinky and the thumb yes so there's multiple ways you can test this some people do a sway test i would say you get the most accurate results if somebody does it to you because it's unbiased so 
there's prerequisites to this, right? Um, the first one I say is you have to be good morally, right? You want to be doing this not for your ego, not to prove other people that you know more than them. Like, I got to catch myself here, right? <laughs> this is, I am in my, you know, I'm doing this for the service of other people and for the best of myself and having good morals. I am doing this, you know, wholeheartedly. I'm light and love. Like, this is for no greed. This is for no benefit. This is just to be with my body and, you know, connect with truth. So that is a prerequisite prerequisite and the next one is you have to kind of like awaken or turn on your body in a sense of you can't just like wake up and you're like let's test <laughs> let's okay. test if this is right for me or not you have to get your body set the stage for it so it can be switched on so switched off would be you sit down all day for have this podcast all day we were sitting down we're not going to be really switched on right we're we're sitting down we're actually not even grounded whatsoever we're mm -hmm. sitting on our butts kind of disconnected. So it's kind of like bringing that connection back to your body. So things like going for a walk, or if you did a workout in the morning, you did yoga. Um, there's like Chinese medicine or practices of just moving your ear as a way to turn your body on or switch. Oh, wow. Everything on. Yeah. So essentially, if you do it, it honestly feels so good. Yeah. What do you, you just, do? I'll take this ear off. So yeah, I'm going to take have, one off too. <laughs> so essentially just pull down. So how often do you even touch your ear? probably not often and they just sit here right so it's kind yeah. of awakening it's close to the brain so it also helps switch on so you just kind of pull the lobe down and i'll do okay. like three to five you only have to do this for like a minute or two you pull the lobe down three to five and then you take the back of the ear so i'll take <laughs> the back of the ear and i'll pull it back away from my head and just do little tugs and sometimes i'll do circular tugs Ooh, okay and then you take yeah you take the top and then you top the you pull up on the top and I'll like circle it around. And so wow. if you do that to each ear, like a minute each ear or something like that, you've, you've essentially switched like on. Like switched on your system? Wow, yeah. I've never heard of that. Yeah, I love that one because it's easy to do in public. So like the other day I yeah. was muscle testing. And I was like, <laughs> I feel like doing this one, this is the way that I do it is to go along the meridians. And it's like, okay, well, if I do that in public, it's kind of weird. So yeah. I'll keep that one. Home. But if you guys want to dive into this, there's multiple different ways to switch on or kind of activate before you do this so you can get accurate results. Um, but the ear one is really easy. I just sat there like it's kind of like you're yeah. just playing with your ear. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, nobody would even notice. I've done oh. this way test a few times and I honestly, may, I, I don't think I've even done it right. But I've kind of like done it after a meditation or something. So I'm probably in like sort of a grounded state. But I've never oh, really absolutely. like set the intention that you did before, kind of like bless the process, you know, for lack of a better word. Yeah. But like, and it's, it's real, like the no backwards, yes, forward, maybe kind of like, and you're not even forcing it. It's kind of just like happening. And I would be really silly with it. I would ask myself, like, am I going to get married soon? Like, am I going to be this? Am I going to be that? And just like yeah. seeing what it said. But um, it's just fascinating to me. And I had someone who was a chiropractor do it with me. Um, she had, if anybody's familiar with this and if you're familiar with this too, let me know, but she'll have like vials of, uh, an allergen or something. So like mm. gluten, uh, chocolate, whatever the case may be. And she would like press my hand down. And if it was, I was fine with it, it would stay up. If I was no good, it went down, uh, sure enough, went down with, uh, the wheat one and I'm, I'm gluten free. So I was like, well, that makes perfect sense. So it's just really interesting, um, People call it hokey pokey, but I think that it's just our body's innate wisdom. Like you said, the body knows best. And what a fun way to tap into yourself. Yeah, no, I think it's so interesting. And again, you did the arm thing. There's so many different ways you can test it. But, you know, I always say 
just make sure you're setting the stage for it, right? You have your, you're like clearing your field, essentially, is kind of yeah. what you could look at on or something. So meditation, absolutely. Just sitting in silence for two minutes, going for a walk, activating your body of some sort. And then you go and test and you always want to ask it in a way of like for my highest good, because that's ultimately what we're asking. And I think you're big on affirmation. So yes. I think you have a lot of really good examples for this, but you can test anything. Like I think the first way to get familiar with testing for yourself is to like the example is to smell like I have plants right back here and I like shove my face in my plants and then I muscle tested to see if that, you know, produced strong or weak and it produced oh, strong. Wow. And then I, yeah. And then I went and smelled like these planting gloves that I have that I know my boyfriend just washed the washer and they had like that fragrant smell in them. So I like knew that's artificial, right? So oh, I smelled wow. that what tested and it tested weak. So if you are testing things that are true of good for your body, think of non-man-made things, things that are actually whole and complete for you, they're gonna test true. They're gonna test strong. Wow. And in that example, it showed me that, yeah, like anything that is man-made or toxic, again, man-made, we can also see as toxic for a lot of things, is mm -hmm. not for my highest good. So I did it for that. And then I've done it for even just like business-wise, like, I don't know, if we were talking recently about content creation, right? And mm -hmm. I'm like, I don't even know what to like say anymore. And I was getting to that point where like, I don't even know what to do. So I created a list and kind of this like column of some tasks to do in this column, tasks to do here and here and here. And I muscle tested each column of which of my highest good is for me to do right now. And I would test those blocks and figure out which one pointed off as strong. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna direct myself to here. And then you can go within those columns of, is this task of my high school to do right now? And I figured out, you know, which thing to do that I didn't have to stress out about. Because I think sometimes when you're an entrepreneur and you have all these different things that you gotta be doing, it's like, okay, let me just pause for a second. What is my highest good to do right now? And you can just attack that first and be okay with not doing all of these other things. And um, that was just something that I did recently. Um, but I'm still learning and practicing it. So I'm not always getting accurate results. And I feel like if I did the sway test, I'd be too biased. And that's also another issue yeah. that comes up with your bias. If you want an answer to be something like, I don't even know, should I drink this water right now? Like, I know I want to drink water. So if I test, mm -hmm. if I drink, I know that's, I've already chosen the answer. So I don't need a muscle test that. And it would probably show up inaccurate anyway. So if you're going into a muscle testing thing of like, well, I really want it to be this or like, should I buy this food? Should I buy this dress? Should I go shopping here? You can use this for so many things. Yeah. Like your chiropractor did for like things that are, could be allergies to you. Which one is mm -hmm. actually the truth? You can use this for so many things in your life and in your health journey. But if you want an answer to be something, you're probably going to get that answer because you're going to like sway. You're going to hold something real strong so you yeah. can't break it. <laughs> want it to be that right so yeah i think this is definitely a thing to keep working on if it interests you is to keep testing it but eventually the goal is not to always use it it's to build that communication with your body where you just have a knowing right yes. like you just feel like mm, i just feel this is what i need to do or i feel this is right for me and it's not something you always have to rely on an inner standing right yeah. Knowing yeah. within if it's, if it's yeah. right or wrong. I love that idea of using that for, for business ideas. Cause like you said, we were talking about and something that I've been experiencing and I've found even just in like sitting with myself that I'm very cyclical in how a year flows in terms of mm -hmm. when I'm productive, like the four seasons, right? It's like, I think we have seasons, like the moons have phases. We can get into this whole thing. But like, for me, I've always noticed around this time of year, a little bit before this time of year, because I'm kind of exiting it now, but I reach a point of burnout. 
And I think it's because during the summer, I'm more in my masculine energy for whatever reason. And I just, like you, I was like, I feel burnt out. I don't even have like that creative spark anymore. And I'm usually somebody that's full of creative ideas. I've, I've got so much going on up here. I like can't get it out fast enough. Um, but it's like, I don't know. It's just, it's just really funny to see like where that burnout cycle comes in. And the old me, right, would have pushed through that the masculine unhealed feminine version of me would have said, we got to show up. We got to keep doing this. We got to reach the goal, figure it out, push your feelings aside, just work through it. Whereas now I'm learning to embrace the burnout as shitty as it is sometimes to just say, okay, you know what? For once, I'm not going to force it. I'm not going to push it. I'm going to just take a step away because that's what my body is asking me to do. My body's telling me, Haley, we've had enough. Let's recharge and let's come back to it with like a fresh mind and kind of, you know, just like breathe new inspiration into it after that. And in taking those steps away, I absolutely notice a change. But if you keep pushing through something like burnout, you're just going to keep digging yourself further down that hole. So where are you with, with your burnout phase? Have you found a, a chance to step away or are you still kind of struggling? Yeah, you know, I, I can't really decide if it's burnout or not. But I, I recently got this book and it's probably very woo-woo for a lot of people. But it is kind of learning how nature communicates with you. And so I was kind of reading through, it's a really big book, and it talks about the energies of different seasons. So in a fall, we're in that transi transitional period, right? We're coming off of summer and that feel good. You said masculine, but like, I would argue maybe, is that like your ultimate feminine? Like, is that, you know, when you think about the menstrual cycles, the summer season of our menstrual cycle is ovulation. We feel freaking yeah. sexy. We are wanting to be around a bunch of people. We're wanting to mm -hmm. just do-do, right? Like, I... <laughs> Like, that's actually how I am in summer. I just want to be around people. I want to go like, yeah. I don't know, live my best life. Right. And that's like when we are most fertile. So I would kind of challenge like, was it really masculine or were you just like Ooh. really in your feminine? Yeah. And you think about fall and like the luteal phase is always beginning to turn inward. And fall for me is something really hard to accept because I love summer so much and also love winters, but it's that like part of the, the season where it's like, oh, I know we're moving away from this and we're going into this. And so that kind of, the book kind of showed me is that what are you, what do you want you to start fresh on? Because if we're seeing what winter is, winter is dead, right? Nature starts dying, trees starts falling, and there's always going to be a birth after a death, right? What do I need to shed and get rid of? And that's kind of where I took this creativity bump I've been in. Like, I cannot yeah. get over this creativity. Like, I don't know what to produce. I don't know what to put out there. Things I'm thinking in my head isn't even coming out. I just feel like blank slate, like, I don't know. So that's kind of where I've been diving into it. So I don't know if it's essentially burnout because I still feel well to show up for coaching clients. I still feel well to, you know, create the projects I'm creating on. It's literally just Instagram. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know. Instagram's just like a little annoying gnat near me. It's like, I don't know what you want. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, I, I don't feel know. the same way. <laughs> So yeah, I feel like all this is just combined, but you know, I really, again, that self-awareness of like, I know this about myself with creativity right now. I see this as a problem that's triggering me or pissing me off nonetheless. So what is it that I need to step into of new? What do I need to let go of? Like, and I really kind of took actual muscle testing of what do I need? How do I need to start my day for my highest good right now to start new? And I kind of asked my body this question and I gave my body different times of like, when do I need to wake up? Cause I'm... Ooh. I've been very much in my feminine, right? So I had to heal my hormones and I shifted into femininity. Like my mornings I wake up and I just ease into my day. I don't 
block things to start out. I don't hit a workout first thing in the morning. Yeah. I don't breakfast. Like I really just like ease into my day and then I start my work later. And that has been working really well for me until I'm in the season. I'm like, do I need to get rid of that? Do I need to wake up at a different time, start my day differently than what I have been because something is not working, right? So I kind of asked my body the question of what time do I need to wake up? And it pinned, like it pinned off between six or seven 30. So I was like, cool. Wow. Six, 7 30 a.m. I'm going to start waking up and I'm going to change things so I can let that old pattern die. Like I let, let that go and step into this newness. So I don't know if that's something that helps you or anybody else out there with like burnout is like, Number one, I always think burnout is like literally, okay, nutrition and nourishment. But if you feel yeah. like you're doing well with that, I'm, I'm, I'm nourishing myself well. I'm giving myself rest. I'm creating space. Like I've even been creating space for creativity. Like why yeah. is it still coming through to me? So I think that's important too, right? You can't ask your body to create this stuff and these ideas when you don't even give yourself time to let that like come through. But yeah, I don't know what it is. So burnout, I always I start there with nutrition and time yeah. and rest and if that's still not like creating the wave or the movement for me, there's something else in my patterns There's something else, even maybe my limiting beliefs of like, no, caddy, you have to wake up every day this, this way, because yeah. you don't start your day this way. Your hormones are going to suck again and you're going to be back in your masculine. So there's still this like fear of yeah. being so wild, like what we do, but like, yeah, like, yeah. I got wow. so adjusted to living that way. And you know, it was really supportive for a while, but I think that goes with the saying of just because something worked for you before doesn't mean it's like working for you now. And yeah. I'm kind of trying to use that in my life right now of, okay, let's switch things up. Like obviously things aren't working for me. Let's switch it up and see what comes. Yeah. Especially like we're always evolving and changing every single day. If you, I think about who I was five years ago, I'm a completely different person now. And I'm sure most of everybody listening is too. And I'm sure you are like, everything's going to be changing. So it's be okay with like changing your routine, be okay with maybe an old way of being just doesn't resonate anymore. Like the biggest thing that, that comes to mind with me with that is, um, ditching alcohol. Like I talk about that all the time on here, you know, that was an old way of being for me. And part of that journey was some of the friends that I had fell away and it wasn't because there was anything wrong with them. It wasn't because anybody did anything wrong. It was just, Oh, that lifestyle just, didn't resonate for me anymore. And so mm. got to make a new routine. And when I started, you know, being more authentic and being more confident with who I was and expressing myself and not feeling like I had to shrink myself, I started to attract the kinds of people that like actually value me and are like, oh, we can have fun without drinking, you know? And um, I don't know, it's just funny. I think about that too, in terms of like being okay with changes. Like even as, as your life moves on, like friends will fall away, people will fall away, but as one door closes, another one opens. There's always going to be space for something new uh, to come in and to breathe new life into a situation. So if you're feeling stagnant in anything, whether it's like a routine, uh, friendships, relationships, like maybe maybe you've outgrown that and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Well, like you said, yeah, we do change every seven years. Your yeah. actual like, physiology and your body changes. So if you're not changing and you know, you're still trying to stay the same, like I think about workouts that I did seven years ago, it's like, that that's not for me anymore. Like yeah, oh, same. <laughs> seven years ago, not for me anymore. The relationships that I had, I'm glad that they are not here anymore. Right. So yeah. you're not changing and maybe not like, you know, questioning, like, why am I still doing this thing? Or, you know, women will be like this, I've always eaten this way and it's always worked for me, but now it's not. It's like, okay. And so what? Like, yeah, that's something new. Like there's nothing wrong with letting 
I hate to say like have your body be your guinea pig but like in a way like don't be afraid to try different things and see how it feels for you and you might discover that you do enjoy something different and that's awesome and I love how you talked about alcohol because I think that really is huge and seeing who is going to treat you differently because of this and also owning your truth that is so hard and I play volleyball, sand volleyball weekly. And I do not just, I don't enjoy on a Tuesday evening, like while I'm trying to have fun and like engage and play, that I'm gonna be smashing alcohol because that's just a very common thing with sand volleyball where I play, mm -hmm. it's just like everybody goes there and drinks and it's like, cool, but like, that's not for me. Like, and I'll get so much judgment around it or people be like, just say things like, oh, you got your water? And I'm like, yeah, I got my yeah. actual, I have minerals in my water, so nice try. <laughs> no, but it's like, you, I feel like when you can really own your truth and you don't care what other people think about you is so empowering because alcohol is the one thing where people are going to treat you differently. They're going to talk to you differently and have different judgments and perspectives about you just because you're not drinking with them or like them. Yes. It's the one substance that people question you for not doing, right? It's like any other thing, nobody would blink an eye. You don't walk around saying, oh, I don't do meth. Like, obviously, you know, that's not, that's like the norm, right? Um, so it's just really interesting. And, you know, even in my experience, like at first I had family that was like, oh, we'll see how long that lasts. And then, you know, three months, six months rolled around. They were like, oh, she's like actually serious about this. And I mean, I've come to a point now where I'm, everyone in my life knows, I mean, I'm super vocal about it. Um, but every now and then there'll be someone that's like, oh, you don't drink or, you know, but I've never had any experience of somebody in real life, like mocking me, which that's, I'm kind of sorry for you that somebody was mocking you at your volleyball thing. Cause that's like really lame, but I don't know the more that I, for me at least, and it sounds like you don't really drink or if you do, you don't drink too much. But for me, it was like when I stopped drinking, I felt like I finally had a chance to understand who I was and like what I enjoyed doing and found myself because all throughout my college experience and even here in the States, like in Western, you know, countries, drinking is so glamorized in college. It's like, if you don't drink, there's something wrong with you. Everybody, we used to make fun of, yeah, we used to make fun of the people that like didn't drink. Fun of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, which is like crazy because like, I knew girls that were athletes and they were just like genuinely trying to take care of their bodies and not drink. And I would be, and I'm so sorry to them in hindsight, but I'm like, I can't believe that I was so brainwashed into this thinking of like, Oh, it's the normal thing to do to get drunk every weekend. Um, but like once I stepped out of that, I was like, okay, I'm not shrinking myself anymore. I actually have a sense of who I am. That's when like everything started to change for me. And that's when like my health started to change. I was opened up spiritually. So um, have you had a similar experience or were you always kind of like not a fan of alcohol? Yeah, I wouldn't say I wasn't a fan of alcohol. I feel like I started drinking or like allowed myself to have alcohol in high school. And I was again, this big athlete. So I don't know why, but I convinced myself that like alcohol was going to, I was, a, I was a track um, athlete. So I was a runner, mm -hmm. a sprinter. I convinced myself that alcohol and sex at the time, I don't know why, <laughs> but I was like, that's going to ruin me. That's going to um, impact my PRs and I'm not going to be as fast. First of all, the whole sex one, absolutely not true. <laughs> I wasn't that off. I wasn't that off about alcohol. So I really wouldn't drink very often. But when I got to college, like 
I also just never liked feeling that hungoverness, you know, like I'll never forget like a holiday, you know, after hanging out with friends and being hungover and I had to clean my parents' house and just like looking out the windows when you're like super hungover and the sun's just beaming at you, you're like, I feel like death. Like, yeah, I don't enjoy that feeling. And so in college, it wasn't like I, I don't know, not that I had a terrible relationship with alcohol. I just never really enjoyed to be drunk. And I was always able to get myself to a point of like, I've never blacked out. Like, oh, wow. Like, crazy you never blacked out I was like no like whenever I just reached that number of drinks it was like I'm done like my body gave me this like idea or this like knowing of like you're done here like you know yeah. where this is gonna go if you go past so I'm very blessed I had that relationship with maybe my body or maybe even the relationship with alcohol that I was able to stop myself when I was done and I was also a huge lightweight too so like mm. I would be tipsy but like that was good for me like that didn't feel outrageously bad it was like okay I'm here like I don't need to push like I don't need to go any more forwards um and sports and athletics really helped me too because I wasn't engaging in all those parties I was you know very focused on being my best and you know being able to have my performance be my best so yeah and I, I definitely had people probably think I was this like real innocent girl like she doesn't ever party and then even now people will be like oh my gosh she's drinking so like if I took a shot at volleyball, yeah. when in the tournament, everyone's like, I've never seen you drink. And I'm like, okay, look, I drink when I want to, but I'm not yeah. somebody that's always going to be doing that. It doesn't feel well for me. And especially when you've been on like hormone healing journeys or even gut health, you have a different view of alcohol. Like guys, it's actually a poison. Like 100% it's a poison. And like these girls walking around that are like, I have IBS and you know, pretty girls have like stomach issues. Oh, it's like, yeah. No, I'm sorry. You're drinking every freaking weekend. You're drinking every yeah. day. This stuff is a poison. If you aren't actually thinking of it in this terms and seeing how it's impacting you, like, okay, like keep walking around with your stomach issues because your your life is going to be pretty <laughs> miserable if you yeah. keep ignoring this. So, yeah, I think when you can see alcohol from a different perspective, aside from like, ooh, we're here to have fun, and you challenge yourself with like, why do I only feel like it's fun, or why do I only feel like I'm able to be open and free when I'm drunk, and then yeah. that's where you're again that's where your mirrors are where you start diving into of like oh wow I'm literally just numbing and creating this false sense of confidence why can't I have that in my sober life yes and that was the big thing for me because I never drank by myself I was a social drinker and I did it because I thought it would make me feel more like outgoing and confident always took it way too far but like that was the main cause of it and it took me a really long time to unlearn that like I could have fun without alcohol because that was like a story that I had told myself for so long that like oh well it's just a natural part of like I have to drink in order to have fun um so like you said it's like taking a good hard look in the mirror and unlearning that pattern you know yeah yeah and I'll like I've always felt that way about like other things too the other drugs out there although I will say like microdosing is something microdosing psilocybin is something I've recently been ventured into and it's kind of funny you know actually we talk about alcohol it's like alcohol actually <laughs> kills our brain cells it's actually um, impacting our nerve like nerve function in our brain and the way our brain communicates to each side and that is something that is so glamorized and so culturally accepted but yet something like psilocybin or like microdosing is a schedule one drug and it actually creates new neural pathways. It doesn't, it is not a toxicity to your body. And it's like, that stuff is like illegal. You could just have to like question like, yeah, why is that? Where's the money? Follow the money. I guess. Mm -hmm. I always say that follow the money. It's backwards. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, so anyways, that's been, you know, my experience and just kind of seeing, like, if you watch commercials too and advertisements, it's like, it's always fast food, it's always medications, it's always insurance for some reason, and then it's yeah. alcohol. Showing people having this good time, and I think that's just, you know, where the messaging comes from too, is, oh, well, like, you have to do this to have a good time, and honestly, my sober life is very much fun, exciting, and I feel like I have the best view of life through my sober lens. And if I do drink, it's just something extra, extra. it's something tasteful and it's like, okay, and then I'm done. And I don't get myself yeah. to that point of blacking out or even honestly, just like, would you lose your function of your body? You know, yeah. or you, your eyes go cross-eyed. Like I haven't <laughs> felt that yeah. in college. And I'm like, I'm actually happy because this life is actually where it's happening, not in alcohol and not partying all the time. Yeah. I love that. And I wanted to go back to something you said. Um, you posted a TikTok the other day about like commercials and it was mm. so powerful of like the fast food commercials. Like you said, um, big pharma, like I used to work in big pharma advertising, which is so ironic now because I'm like so outside of that. And the amount of money that goes into it is astonishing. And it's like, you got to wonder why are we being force fed a, this fast food B like, all these medications, all these drugs, it's like at some point you have to kind of sit with yourself and use your discernment and really ask yourself, is this really what's best for me? You know? Right. Why is, I'm, I'm pretty sure there's not a lot of other countries that even have advertisements for medications. If, and then if you notice in those advertisements, it says consult with your doctor if this is right for you. Why are we being given this information about medications when obviously we have to be prescribed it? It has to be something yeah. we have to talk to our doctor about. Why are you going to us as a consumer versus, I know they're going to the doctors, but that should be the only place they go to because that's your doctor's decision for your health. Not something that we look at and we're like, oh, that sounds like I need that. You go to your doctor asking about it, like, what the fuck? Like, why? And, and yeah, like the advertisement, the fast food, it's like, again, that's for people to normalize that that's how you can eat, that that's okay for you. And if you look at what's in half the food, no, it's not. I'm sorry. It's not missing. food. No, it's not. Yeah. There's no nutrients in it and there's inflammatory oils there is chemicals in there this we're, we're moving our culture is moving to okay we don't need farms we don't need agriculture we need labs and we're running out of food so we need to be creating foods and labs i can't even fathom the world in the future especially you know i do want to bring children into this world and it's like this place like it's not for me like i want to be able to yeah. have my own land i want to be able to grow my stuff if i can and i want to be able to source out farmers because that's where nutrition is. Our soils are depleted. They're putting pesticides. They're putting glyphosate. They're doing all these chemical spraying where they literally have to mask up and cover their entire body to spread these chemicals onto our crops. That's killing our soil. So we're not getting the nutrients from our soil. We're definitely not getting it on our foods when they're sent to a lab and blah, 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 blah. And let's talk about the food miles is when they are harvesting this food, it is not even ripened. So that's not nutrient dense. And it's covered up with glosses and waxes when it yep. does get to a facility to make it look like it's ripe and it's not. And so, yeah, I just encourage everyone to clean. If you do buy your fruits and vegetables in the grocery store, clean them. A little bit of baking soda, a little bit of filtered water goes a long way. You can even mm -hmm. add in some apple cider vinegar. You don't have to be specific measurements, but like even for our rices, our oats and our grains, do the same thing because there's just so much crap. I don't think people realize are in our stuff and it's out of our control. So we have to be able to control what we can within our homes. Yeah, 
Absolutely. I mean, you gotta gotta take measures where you can, and I always encourage people to buy local if you can. Like, whenever I go to the grocery store, I I live in Florida and I live a lot near a lot of like cattle ranges. So, luckily, like I know my ground beef and steaks are always like locally sourced, or at least I try to like whenever possible. But you know, check out your farmers market if you're in an area that has that. Try to shop local, support local if you can. And um, there's even a lot of people that say that if you eat with like the lands that you live in, kind of like what's in season. Um, that it can be good for your health too. So maybe try to be mindful of like, depending what climate you live in, try to see if you can source some of those foods. Yeah, absolutely. Because you're getting the most nutrients out of it. If you're getting what is local and grown in your area, there's probably not a lot of food miles and it's something unique to your area that is going to be more nutrient dense. And if you can't get to a farmer's market or you can't connect with your local butchers and you know, things like that is, I know it's more expensive, but like you have to kind of weigh like this is investment into your health. So if you can get grass fed, if you can get pasture raised, yeah. you're already guaranteeing more nutrient density out of it because we are eating the cows that are number one, hopefully ethically raised. And they're also grazing on grass and getting the nutrients from soil rather than being grain fed, which again, mass produced. Do we even know what's in the grain? And they're usually not seeing sunlight and we need sunlight. Everybody needs sunlight. Even our yeah. animals are eating. So if you can get grass-fed or pasture-raised, you're doing yourself a huge favor and more nutrient density because of how it is, how the animal's treated and where it was eating and grazing for more nutrient density. So yeah, there's, there's little things you can do, but I, it's gonna have a little bit of a cost. But again, you know, I, I thought about this when I was honestly, I think in college, I was like, if we're, and I think it was a Netflix documentary that sparked this for me, it's like, these chickens and these cows that were in these factories that never saw sunlight, that were beaten, that were just manipulated constantly. They weren't treated as sacred. They weren't treated as something that was going to be very vital and important for our bodies. Is If you're eating an animal that's in stressful environments, they're literally living in their shit. They can't move. They don't see the sun. They're force-fed, whatever it is. Don't you like realize that you're going to be eating their stress hormones as well, too? I've thought about that too, like from an energetic point, like aren't, like if they're traumatized, aren't you like energetically, vibrationally absorbing that? I've, I've had the same thought. Energetically, but even, you know, like I said earlier is traumas passed down through generations, which shows yeah. up as inflammation. So these animals are living in stressful lives. Their only lives that they have in that little bit of time is super stressful and traumatic is that's being passed down. That's in their cells. Animals have to shake and they do emotional regulation just like us. Yeah. You'll see on animal planet, the zebra mm. almost get killed and it makes it alive and it just like shakes and then it goes and eats. It's like, how is it even thinking about digestion when it just almost died? But that's yeah. how they emotionally regulate and they kind of discharge cortisol. But you know, when we have these animals that can't even get any of those healing properties, they're shoved in these masks, like they can't even move. Yeah. Like, we're eating that. And I don't know how many people you talk to that deal with anxiety or depression, but it's like, I don't know, is this another avenue that isn't yeah. all of it? Yeah, it's just there's so many things that our, our food is literally working against us. And you kind of have to see this be, you know, awakened in a sense and, mm -hmm. and start to choose um, how am I going to actually support my body and get my body the best. And I know there's a lot of like vegans and, and people out there that see meat as, you know, something that is really terrible, but at the same time, plants are a part of our food too. And yeah. how are your plants being treated? Right. So same thing, right? Plants need sunlight and they need to be treated mm -hmm. well. And if you bless things, if you bless your meat, um, previous, you know, centuries, there was, they, 
thought cows were sacred. And when they did butcher them and they used them for food, they understood that this was very sacred. And so the intention with the meal and the intention with the death was good vibes. It was good energies. It was blessing. So when you are blessful for your food, you are grateful for your food and you are ethical about how you are eating your foods, even if you weren't the one to harvest it, you can always be, you know, while you're chopping up your vegetables. I'm so grateful for this meal. I'm very blessed to be able to have these carrots and blah, 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 to fuel me, to give me nutrients, to feed my soul. Like when you speak gratitude and then you eat a meal, think of how your body's going to receive that. It's going to receive it so well. And that is a part of digestion too, is having a good state of mind, having good energy as you're going into your meal. And how many people just walk around, they're eating to go, they're like talking on the phone, stressful yeah. conversations while they're eating. You're not really going to be absorbing that the best because your body's in a state of stress. That's so true. That makes me think of uh, Dr. Emoto's water experiment. I don't know if you are familiar. So Yeah, I'd love to hear it. What is that? Yeah, so he, um, I think he's a Japanese doctor scientist, but basically he took water molecules and he would put them under a microscope and say affirmations to them, or he would say certain things with like a sentiment of happiness, joy, bliss, love, you know, whatever. And then he would also do um, anything negative like shame, fear, guilt, anxiety, depression. And through looking at those molecules under a microscope, the ones that were given positive affirmations had these beautiful sacred geometric shapes. And the ones that were having negative affirmations were all scattered and discombobulated. And that shows you at a molecular level that that frequency is affecting you. So even if like, like you were saying, if you have to or if you don't have the opportunity to source grass-fed, pasture-raised, if you have to buy, like, factory-farmed meat, set an intention before you eat it. Thank the process of that. Thank the animal for giving you fuel, whatever it might be. Charge it with the intention because that experiment shows you, case in point, that our energy and our thoughts affect our reality. So if you're ingesting things at a molecular level, it's powerful stuff. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, no, I love that. And that reminds me of, you know, when you speak negative things about yourself, you actually create inflammation from that. Um, Interleukin-6 is a cytokine that is released when you say things negative about yourself. You're talking shit about yourself. Your body perceives that as an attack, right? Inflammation, in a sense, is our body feels an attack. We're going to put up our guard against something. We're going to protect. We're going to heat up. We're going to inflame. And the words you say, but the things that you think about yourself creates that. And that kind of goes along the same thing as that experiment is the words that you say is let's just say it a ripple effect to your body of, yeah. are we going to be in a state of safety or are we going to be in a state of fighting even if it is your own words and that's that's crazy to think about that you can your body can be attacking yourself from your own words what you created yourself that's crazy about what is it interleukin six i don't want to say it wrong six. okay interleukin wow six. Yeah, it is. So cytokines are inflammatory markers and interleukin interleukin six is either created from that or is a cytokine or something I can't remember directly. Um, But it's what is, you know, released when you do say negative things about yourself. And I shared that as a I think it was an Instagram reel or something. And the, the feedback from women, they were like, wow, like, thank you. This hit for me because how many times do you look in the mirror and you're just like, oh, yeah. I don't like this. About myself. I, don't like, mm-hmm. I wish it was this. Like, can we let that go? And maybe like after you have a moment of that, because I still experience that myself, right? We all have bad body image days, but that little voice that's talking bad is so minuscule compared to the voices that I have of like, no, like you're actually awesome. Like imagine where you were two years ago or imagine how you felt about your body, blah, blah, blah. So I'm 
I'm able to pull myself out of those like little comments and be like, actually, you know what? You're freaking awesome. Like I'm so proud <laughs> yeah. of you. And something that really helps me is thinking about that. We talked about inner child um, and childhood mm-hmm. so early on in this, but like, if you think about that little girl that you were like, think of the words you're saying about yourself. It's your inner child is still within you. Right. So like yeah. when you say things about yourself, you're saying that to also your six-year-old self, your five-year-old self, the innocent little girl that had all these emotions and these big feelings and all these things like, but she also was this big dreamer and she paved her own path. Like you're talking shit about her too. And that I think is just super powerful when you can kind of catch yourself as I'm not this, just some, like I'm 30. So I'm not this like 30 year old adult. And like, here I am right now. Like I think about that inner child a lot and I love her so much. I could like cry talking about I know me too. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, damn, like I had the world ahead of me and all it was, was like laughter and like asking questions and man, like when you can sit back and you think about little you, it's like, I want to give her all the love, all the love and let her just be free and run through me because that just, I really feel like does keep you youthful and it keeps you creative and it keeps you exciting for life when you can look back at that little you and be like, we're doing this together. Like, I'm, I'm so proud of you and I hope you're proud of me. Yeah. And it's healing too. Like going back to a past version of yourself and embracing them with love and kindness. And I even think about that of like, sending that to my future self, like love and kindness, because I feel like they're sending me, you know what I mean? Mm. Like they're sending me love and kindness. And so it's like, it's kind of like this ripple effect too. And it's very healing, but I get emotional thinking about it too. Sometimes like there's certain inner child meditations where you visualize, you know, hugging your younger self. I'm like, Oh my God. (laughs) No, I think I've had one before and it just like crushes me. And it's not anything sad. It is just like so much love. It is love pouring out of me and it just comes in tears because yeah. I like just that little girl so much. Like, I don't know, but yeah. I don't know if you guys do this, but you can always keep like a little photo of yourself around. So um, I think I ha- may have one here on my desk. It's just like, not that I look at it all the time, but it's just like yeah. little me around in different places. And I think that just helps you think about that little you because it is still you. But yeah, no, I, I, I love thinking back to that because I don't have a little girl of my own yet. But for right now, like it feels very good to think back to like, little me and when I do have a little girl like I hope that that can be something that's very strong and um intense in my life for me to look at to keep me yeah and it's a reminder of how far you've come too you know all the progress you've made all the lessons you've learned and where it's led you so I think it's I think it's so beautiful and it's so powerful yeah and you mentioned something about your future self too that I wanted to say is like you like you right now in your present are impacting your future self like mm-hmm. even just on the menstrual cycle like what you're doing for your body and your health right now that's actually going to be showing up in your future cycles and so just like you said everything that you do it can be for that future self as well because that's that's going to be where you go because things don't just okay i'm doing this for me right now i'm feeling it right now that stuff carries on and it's impacting your future self so yeah if you can remember those things too like little me back here like i want to show her all the love but like we're doing this for future too and we're going to carry these versions of myself if they are fitting and you know what's best for you to carry those with you because they are all a part of you yeah that's so true especially with things that take time like inner child healing hormone healing you're not just doing it for the instant gratification. Like you said, you're doing it for the long-term sustainable change and for the, the positive future that you're trying to make. So it's important to remember all the little decisions, you know, choosing 
uh, grass-fed over factory-farmed or, you know, choosing something that's going to be good for you, choosing, like, something positive and uplifting to listen to instead of, like, music that's going to put you in a low vibrational state. Like, these little things, again, ripple effect, and it, and every every little bit matters. So everything that you can try to do to, you know, give the future version of yourself the best life possible, why not do it? Yeah, I mean, doesn't everybody want, like, love and happiness and good health? Yeah. Like, I mean, that's just, like, I feel like we're the best places at. Like, yeah. you experience, like, even as a woman, if we are in our best, most aligned and balanced self, we experience multiple different things, right? Think about the seasons. Each of the seasons are within our menstrual cycle. So instead of being like, oh, I'm a woman, I have to have a period and, like, blah, blah, it's like, man, I get to have an abundance of experiences. Like, yeah. that's something I'm super, I'm very blessed to be a woman to be able to have multiple different experiences rather than being a man and have to like feel the same way every day yeah. like no nope, I don't want that I don't want to be a robot <laughs> yeah I have to versus I get to right I think that's it's yeah. so it's so simple but it's not easy because that's such a huge shift that people can make and even for me like that's something you know we can maybe talk about when we go live together because spoiler alert we are going to go live on Instagram together to do like a Q&A but when I started like kind of reclaiming my menstrual cycle for lack of a better term and started understanding it all and how the moon connects to it. It became this empowering thing of like, I'm so connected to myself now. And like you said, I'm like, wow, I get to experience this all. I get to be so in tune with my body and to understand what's happening and when it's happening and to let the flow exist and to kind of feel into it and, you know, embrace all of the seasons, as you said, I think that's such a beautiful thing. No, I, I, I love it so much, and it is beautiful, right? Like, you know, we get to go through a birth and read, like, yeah, a birth and, and death and cycle that within a month. Like, that's so awesome. And even just the menstrual cycle alone, having the bleed is still a detox, right? It's yeah. still shedding of yourself. So you get an opportunity that goes to back release. to that I have I get. Yeah. yeah. You have an opportunity to shed layers about yourself every single month, and it's just a nice detox that your body gets too, you know, ridding out heavy metals and shit like that. Like, yeah, I feel like if you can understand your menstrual cycle more, you feel more connected to your body and you're more empowered to then make better decisions for yourself because when you feel good, right? Like when we all have good health and we feel good, like we want to keep recreating that rather yeah. than when you don't feel good, you're like scratching. Like if you're ever sick, you're like, Oh my God, I take back all those days that I mm -hmm. had good health. And I didn't get, like, I didn't, you know, appreciate it then. It's like, you, you really get to make better decisions when you do take care of yourself. Yeah, you don't take it for granted. Like you said, even for me, like I was sick recently and I had like a really bad scratchy throat and I was like, oh. And every day I'm usually grateful for my health because I always do affirmations, but I was like, damn. I really don't realize how lucky I, w I am to be like in good health most of the time, you know? It's That's like okay. a little thing. Yeah. Yeah, you're able to reflect back and be like, wow, like I am so grateful for my, my health. At least yeah. you're still able to be grateful even when um, you're going through some darkness or when you are going through some sickness. It's like, what is this teaching me too? Because I feel like there's always yeah. teaching points even if we're sick. And that led you back to, wow, I'm super grateful for the days that I feel really, really well. Yeah. Well, it's funny because like back to the burnout thing, it was coincided with when I was feeling burnt out. I'm like, well... Mm -hmm. Is there really a shock there? I was feeling super depleted and, you know, then my body was like, okay, we've had enough. And, you know, I kind of got over that. And now, now that I'm through that sort of like darkness of the burnout, I'm feeling inspired again. So it's like, you kind of just have to ride the waves and let, Ooh, let the rhythm flow. Yeah, man, that's so true because how many people try to control those waves? Yeah. 
like, ooh, I, like, I always have to feel this way. I can't let myself ebb and flow. I can't ever feel bad. I can't ever if shadow work. I don't want to yeah. ever see that. It's like you're trying to control, but like let yourself flow because there's always something, even in darkness, even in bad things, there's always something on their side. You're, you're going to come out of it. The light always comes darkness, you know, light always comes after darkness or however you want to see it. There's something you can take from that to learn from it and you will be through it, right? Like it's, you're going to be walking through it, but if you try to control it, you're going to be stuck in it. Yeah. It's almost like the more you let go of that resistance, the easier it becomes, which is ironic because you would think, oh, I should be resisting. And then, but the more you allow, the more you give space for things to kind of flow and to learn from it and to see the lesson in it. Yeah. No, I think that's so beautiful. Well, do you have any last minute advice you'd like to leave anyone with or anything you'd want to share? Hmm. Last minute advice. You know, I'm not really sure. I, I feel like just from this conversation, a good thing would just to be, you know, if you are a woman listening, I feel like your audience is mostly women. It's just, you know, let yourself be still. I think we mentioned this really early on in this is creating space and just time to just be not always do, 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 do like how many times when you try to sit still, you're thinking about things you need to be doing right. That right there is just a big sign that you need to lean more into resting. And it doesn't mean just kicking your feet back and watching TV like actually be in your body. Like they can even be dancing, right? Like, yeah, it's doing something, but it's still being in the moment. It's being in the present where life is actually happening, not in the past, which we can't control at all. We can't do anything about that in the future. We're not even there yet. That situation or event hasn't even happened yet. So why are we forecasting something that's not even alive, so to speak? So yeah, I just, I would say, you know, through this conversation, maybe just dance, like let yourself dance. Find things that you're like, that are cringy to you, right? It's like, ask yourself, why? Why does that bother you? So I I hope this was at least, you know, one of those conversations that made you think a little bit. And I would be, you know, proud and happy to know that you are thinking a little bit differently. You're starting to question yourself. I think that is a good way to grow is when you know. And if that's what you come from this conversation, I'm going to be so happy with that. Yeah, well, Caddy, this has been great. I feel like we've barely scratched the surface with like so many things. I feel like we're going to have so much to talk about even when we go live, which I don't know when we will, but, uh, I'll post some updates on that, but, um, we'll figure it out soon. yeah, we'll figure something out. I feel like, I feel like we have so much more we can still talk about, but I want to give you a chance to kind of plug yourself, uh, you know, plug your socials where people can work with you, where people can find your stuff. Yeah. So my Instagram is caddy underscore Lee, C-A-T-T-Y underscore L-E-E. And just go through there. That's where most of my stuff is. But obviously right now I'm feeling a certain way about content. (laughs) But um, if you can share my stuff, actually, that would be helpful because I feel like, I don't know, something's going on with Instagram. My stuff isn't meant to be seen. (laughs) whatever we'll just leave that for what it is maybe conversation for another day um but yeah you can just follow me there and um that's probably the best place to reach me i have a website if you want to know more about me if you just want to connect like just dm me it's always me it's not anybody else whatever it's me and just you know maybe you want to talk about something you want to expand on one of these conversations or let me know how one of these made you feel like i would love to dive into some of those conversations with you yeah, well, Caddy, thank you so much. This was amazing. This was like such a beautiful conversation and so thankful to have you on. And yeah, guys, stay tuned for our live. I don't know what we're going to do together, but we'll be cooking up something. So I got some topics later. Yeah. Ask you. Cool. Well, thank you so much. Thank you.